You are listening to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Dalawisio. Welcome to episode 40 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe Dalawisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And if you follow me on Twitter, you probably could already tell that I'm fired up with the start of the NFL season for the Green Bay Packers. And what a coincidence here. Sharp Cheddar episode number 40. The Packers put up a 40-burger in the opener, taking down the Minnesota Vikings 43-34. Second most points in a season opener in franchise history. I'll give you my thoughts on the game in just a few minutes. We'll go through some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff. Break it all down for you like we do on every recap episode. Another reason why I was fired up on Twitter, you may have realized. Because if you followed along last week, if you rode the picks, then you got a little extra green in your pockets on this Tuesday morning when we are recording. Alright, you're doing a little well because... Week one resulted in a 3-0 week, right? The Ravens, the Pats, the Titans, for goodness sake, they finally make a field they finally make a field goal. And they put us at 3-0 on the season. Great way to start the season. And you may be wondering, right? You may be asking yourself, why are you recording the podcast on a Tuesday? Why not Monday? Just get it out. I know you got so much to say about it. Well, a little later in the podcast, like we always do on the recaps, I know it's been a while since we've recapped the game. I'll give you my uh, week one headlines. Needed those Monday night games to finish. The doubleheader kept me up real late last night. A little tired this morning. So we need we needed to wait for those games to finish up. So I figured, hey, Tuesday's the best day to record. Get in the booths. Everything is still fresh. Already rewatched the game. So much to break it down. So much to talk about. So let's get right into it. Let's start off with the good. And I think when we start off with the good, we need to start with Aaron Rodgers. You look at the stat line, 32 of 44, 364 yards, three touchdowns. Amazing. Aaron Rodgers was vintage Aaron Rodgers on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm calling out every single national media member Every single national writer, broadcaster who have con- who has consistently attacked Rodgers. He's no good. He doesn't have it anymore. He's washed up. He's getting old. Well, let me tell you something. If that's how my old quarterback's going to play, sign me up every single week for a performance like that. Aaron Rodgers was electric. All right, what impressed me the most with Rodgers was his mechanics. Okay, you heard it in the broadcast. You heard him, if you've been following him throughout the offseason, that he's made some changes. You know, I look back at last season, the last couple of seasons, and I feel like I got used to seeing Rodgers throwing the ball off his back foot. I got used to seeing Rodgers throwing unbalanced. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of the little accuracy issues at times. Being short on a couple throws. You didn't see that in week one. 
of the 2020 season. Right, you heard in the broadcast, you followed along all offseason with Rodgers. He's been working on the lower body, getting his legs stronger. It showed. There was zip on every single pass. He put passes in places where only his wide receivers could get him, and they got him. For the most part, they got him. Didn't short many, if any, balls that I recall. I think he threw up one bomb, 60-yard bomb up in the air, jump ball. Only reason why he threw it is he caught the Vikings off sides. Might be the only pass that I could recall that he actually, he was actually short on. Give him a pass there, just trying to make a play out of nothing. Free play. He took advantage of that Minnesota Vikings secondary. Okay, he saw a weak spot in that secondary. He saw that they could not cover Devontae Adams. And he just kept feeding Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams had himself a day. Here's another guy who doesn't get enough credit from the national media about being one of the top wide receivers in the league. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if because he's not always on Twitter or on Instagram posting what he's doing, talking trash. I think the fact that Devontae Adams shows up every Sunday, gets the job done, doesn't for some reason, he doesn't get enough credit for that. Right? We're always talking about the bigger name superstars. Devontae Adams deserves to be in that conversation. I don't know if this is Aaron Rodgers essentially giving everyone the middle finger for the slander that he's gotten over the last few years, saying, hey, slow your roll. I don't know if this is Aaron Rodgers being motivated, being annoyed by the Green Bay Packers organization, and this is his way of showing it. Hey, I'm going to dominate, and I'm not going to lose my job anytime soon because the Packers invested in a first-round draft pick in a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's single again. I have no idea. But whatever it is, I love it, and I hope it continues, and I can't wait to see it on a week-to-week basis. This offense, in week one of year two under Matt LaFleur, looked completely different than all of last season. And you know what that tells me? That these guys, they've bought into the system. And the system works. You don't just score 43 points out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen. Right? They scored 43 points despite going 0-3 in the red zone early in the game. Let that sink in for a little bit. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments as well. But the the pre-snap movement, the blocking from the tight ends, the wide receivers, the collective effort, this offense looked a lot like what Matt LaFleur wants it to look like. And that was really impressive. 
And it's got me excited. Last year, it was the defense that got me excited. This year after week one, I'm pumped for this offense. There was no point in this game when Minnesota would go down the field and score. I don't know about you, but I felt confident as ever that Aaron Rodgers was going to answer. There was no stopping this man. He he was on a mission. And when the offense is playing that well, good luck. Good luck. So for all of the uh, for all of you that thought Aaron Rodgers was done and washed up, shame on you. Laughing at you today. Laughing at you right after that game. He's laughing at all of you. Cuz there's still a lot left in the tank for Aaron Rodgers. You can't give Aaron Rodgers credit, though, without giving some love to the offensive line. Okay, you go back to that podcast, the, the, the preview podcast that I had with Alex Strofe last week. We were both very concerned with the offensive line. Matt LaFleur was concerned with the offensive line. Because of the injuries, the possibility of Billy Turner being out, He ends up being out, no surprise there. Then you go into this game and things get worse for this offensive line group because of injury, right? Lucas Patrick, he gets hurt. Luckily, he's going to be okay. And then Lane Taylor goes down. And, And unfortunately for Lane Taylor, his season's done, which you really hate to see. You hate to see anybody... Get hurt. You hate to see anybody get hurt and miss the entire season. But you really feel bad for a guy like Lane Taylor. Okay, here's a guy who fought back from injury last season. Took a pay cut. Lost his starting position. Earned a new starting position on the offensive line because of how great he was in camp. And then he goes down with an injury. You hate to see it happen. The Packers moved Elton Jenkins around a couple of times during this game. He's a beast. They may have found something real special in Jenkins. No matter where where you put him, he seems like he could play. Matt LaFleur talked about it the other day. There isn't a single position on the offensive line he doesn't think Elton Jenkins could play at. I agree. Then when Taylor goes down, the the rookie sixth-round pick, John Runyon, he comes in, stepped in at right guard. He played well. This may be a surprise unit for the Packers. Right? A big question mark heading into the season. But if you get the production out of Runyon, Elton Jenkins continues to play well. The rest of the line stays compact. You'd be surprised. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was not touched on Sunday. I can't I can't remember the last time he was not touched. Now, now, granted, he was pushed a couple plays. He was not sacked once. 
cleanest I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers' jersey. And that's not possible without the effort from that offensive line. Now, with that being said, right, Billy Turner, he already missed a game. Rick Wagner, banged up. Lucas Patrick, banged up, should be good for the Lions game. Lane Taylor already out for the year. Packers got to bring another body in. Got to bring somebody else in because they're dropping like flies on that offensive line. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Mentioned Devontae Adams. You know what you got in Devontae Adams. You got a superstar right there. Is he going to catch 14 passes every every game? Absolutely not. But you could you could bank on that 6 to 10 range every game. And you could you could bank on him being reliable. Should have had another touchdown when the Packers decide to go for it on fourth down. Missed it. But a reliable force on a week-to-week basis. But how about MVS? MVS had a good game. Rodgers hits him down the sideline. But the two things that stood out to me with MVS, of course, like with most people, two drops. One drop, he's going over the middle. Looked like there was a ton of green ahead of him. Second drop, Aaron Rodgers throws a deep ball, has to dive and extend, hits his hands, should have, should have held on to it. If MVS could find the consistency, the potential is there. If MVS can find his hands, and this is something similar actually that a lot of people have brought up about Devontae Adams early on in his career that he struggled with drops and finding that consistency. But if MVS could find that consistency, with his speed, with his size, he could be a difference maker. He could be the difference maker that the Packers have been looking for. And if that pans out, then it was no problem that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver or add talent around Aaron Rodgers. A guy that I think is really coming along, though, Alan Lazard. All right, I think Alan Lazard has definitely found his role in this offense. Rodgers is comfortable with Alan Lazard. And he will continue to have a role on a week-to-week basis. And an important role. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see EQ. All right, another guy we didn't see him... Much last season because of injury. Doesn't get the nod this week. Malik Taylor gets gets the nod. Don't really see any of him on the field. Effective. I love the usage of Tyler Irvin. Man the wheels on that kid. Speed demon. Love the end arounds. Love him getting the ball. And with that being said, you want to talk about Irvin? Let's talk about the running backs. I thought the rotation for the running backs were great. Sprinkling Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. We even saw A.J. Dillon. Despite, I will say this, you saw A.J. Dillon a couple times. The one time you didn't see A.J. Dillon was at the goal line 
where the Packers couldn't get a yard. And I was a little bit shocked there. A little bit surprised. You draft a big back in A.J. Dillon, second-round pick. He's a bruiser. He's supposed to be the guy to push the line. And he doesn't get that opportunity early on. Could have been because it was early in the game. But I expect to see more of him as well. And then the couple runs that he had. Solid, solid, solid production. Can't talk about the wide receivers in that offense without bringing up the rookie tight end, third round pick, Mr. DeGora. Who again, I didn't know what to expect from this guy. Thought it was a questionable pick come draft day. Didn't really see the role. But that's why I'm behind the mic and not on the sideline. Because Matt LaFleur clearly knew that a player of his style, his statue, would fit this system and would be exactly what the Packers needed. And he did a lot of small good things. Blocking was great. I mean, the most memorable play, I've seen it all over Twitter. Noticed it right right when it happened on the field. Cut down block, takes out two Vikings guy, two Vikings players. Ends up, ends up helping Alan Lazard gain 19 yards on the end around. Was targeted twice. One reception, 12 yards. He has a role on this team. He has a role in this offense. You can't plug a guy like him in on every single NFL team. But what, what Matt LaFleur is trying to do, it works. It works, and I'm excited. So I saw Rodgers try to get Jace involved a little bit. Didn't work that much, if at all. Love to be able to get him going. See what the Packers have in, at that tight end position. Defensively. Switch the pace up a little bit. Defensively. Not going to lie. Little concerned with the defense. Little concerned about the defense. And the reason why is I felt that the Vikings move the ball down the field pretty easily on a consistent basis. I mean, the Packers gave up 34 points. Scored a lot, gave up a lot. Also, big defensive note. Packers lost Kenny Clark. Went out with a groin injury. Did not return. At the time of this recording, don't know what the status of that injury is. Matt LaFleur didn't want to comment on it. Said we'd find out a little bit later in the week. He was getting an MRI. The Packers cannot be without Kenny Clark for an extended period of time. And in the event that they are, they got to call somebody. Get Snacks Harrison on the phone. Bring him in. They need a big body. They need a depth there. Can't roll with what you got. You need a little bit more help. But hoping that Kenny Clark is back sooner rather than later. But the thing that really concerned me, I think, and it was pretty obvious because there were no additions made in the offseason, was stopping the run. Thought Dalvin Cook had himself a solid afternoon. I was actually surprised 
the Vikings didn't just keep running the ball because Kirk Cousins was not good. Especially when Kenny Clark went out, keep feeding the rock. Keep giving it to Cook. Let him do his thing because he, he was running through Green Bay's defense. With that being said, a couple bright spots, though, on that defense. Jari Alexander. What a stud that this kid is coming, becoming. Arguably one of the best lockdown corners in the league. I have no problem saying that on the mic. Takes a huge risk when the Vikings are in their own territory. Cousins has no idea he's coming. Causes a safety. Momentum switches right there. Capitalizes on a terrible uh, Kirk Cousins pass right before the half. Gets the interceptions. Leads to points right before the half. Now, granted, Packers kicked the ball off to the Vikings. Vikings are able to go down the field, get three points and go into the locker room. Should have never happened. Can't let a team go down the field that easily. And that's the thing. I thought they were just able to get down the field way too easily. Another guy who did well. Newcomer, Christian Kirksey. Saw it on the stat sheet in terms of tackles. Saw it on the quickness on the field. All right, the big difference between Kirksey and Blake Martinez is his speed, his motor. It was evident in week one. And as long as he could stay healthy, that's a great addition for the Green Bay Packers. And kudos to this guy, Chris Barnes, UCLA. I would have never thought that Chris Barnes would start at inside linebacker on Sunday. Okay? Not only does he go undrafted, he doesn't make the initial 53. He had himself a day. According to Pro Football Focus, played 15 total snaps and graded out as the Packers' top defensive player in Week 1. When you're getting production from guys that you didn't expect to produce at a high level early on, that's encouraging. Yes, it sets the bar high for these guys, but it also sets a a, a tremendous tone for the rest of their season and the expectation. Now when you see Barnes on the field, you're not going to be surprised. Now when you see DeGora on the field, you're not going to be surprised. Getting production from some of these unexpected players early on and seeing their roles in this team early on and them doing well is huge as the season progresses. Other than the fact that the Vikings were able to move right down the field, what else didn't I like from this victory? Right? A lot of positives. A lot of positives. But of course, there's negatives with that. Red zone offense. Again, I think it's wild that this team was able to score 43 points despite going 0-3 early in the red zone. And what was so frustrating about this was the Packers were able to have long extended drives 
and move the ball really well downfield. Good, good mix of pass, run. Aaron Rodgers catching a Vikings defender sleeping, making him jump off sides with his cadence, his hard count. It was very frustrating in the beginning of that game when the Packers kept coming up short. And, and, it, and it was a little concerning. And then things just started moving. Things opened up. The offense opened up. They got in a rhythm. I don't know if it was a, if it was the play calling, right? You go back to the them being on the one-yard line, not being able to punch it in. Give A.J. Dillon a shot. Why not? That's why you got the guy. You would hope your big back that you used a second-round draft pick would be able to, to get through no problem. Give him a shot. You know, Matt LaFleur said in 2020 hindsight, we've still put up points. If I look back at it, play calling's got to be better. So hopefully that's something to keep an eye out, how, how this team specifically how this offense performs in the red zone because early on in week one, not so hot. Sticking with Matt LaFleur and his and his system and the play calling, I like the jet sweeps. I like the end arounds. But I think they it was a little too much for those first couple of drives. Felt like every other play was an end around. I was just patiently waiting for the fake or a, a second reverse. And I don't know if that's what they were trying to do, establish it so often that, okay, here comes the fake, boom, hit someone over the middle, big game. I like it, but sprinkle it in. I thought it was a little too much too early. Another thing I didn't like. Managing the timeouts. I, I feel like the Packers are consistently burning timeouts. All right, and, and I don't know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is still learning the plays. He still has that wristband on. When Matt LaFleur is barking out the plays, they are very descriptive, very detailed. But they need to figure out a way to be much better. You don't want to get caught in that situation late in the game or late in the first half without any without any timeouts when you're driving and miss an opportunity to put points on the board. Or in the event your defense gives up points, you got to go down the field and get some to win the game, and you run out of time. That management's got to be better. Listen, I was wrong. I predicted a Packers win, but I thought it would be low scoring and sloppy. Definitely wasn't low scoring. Definitely wasn't sloppy on the offensive side. Defensively, I don't know if I'm going to call it sloppy. I don't know what I'm going to call it. But my eyes are going to be on the defense in week two against the Detroit Lions for sure. Because I expect the offense now to have itself a day again. But my eyes are going to be on that defensive unit. Can they contain Matt Stafford and company? Which they should. I mean, we just saw the we just saw the Chicago Bears score. Mitch Trubisky, for God's sakes, scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Granted, they should be sending uh, Andre Swift 
a fruit basket for dropping a, the game-winning touchdown. But nevertheless, all eyes on this defense come next week. And we'll dive into that later in the week with the preview podcast. I was kind of right about the injuries. Not only to the Packers, but league-wide. You, got, you had guys going down. It's expected. Unfortunately, it comes with the territory because of the offseason. I hope, though, that it, that it isn't a continuous trend week to week. Hope as each week goes on, these guys are getting healthier. Their bodies are getting used to this. Because you miss a couple key guys, your season can be over real quick. But overall, it's a hell of a way to start the season. It's a statement game. You win on the road. Yeah, no crowd, no fans. Which, by the way, no fans. Didn't hate it. Right? It felt weird. It felt a little strange. But I didn't hate it. And maybe it's because all the guys on the sideline. Maybe it's because the NFL doesn't, you know, the action is so on the field. The camera angles that they're showing always are just the field. You know, it's not like baseball. You hit a pop-up, you're seeing fans. It's not like basketball. You're at the free throw line, you're, you're seeing fans. Yeah, maybe when you kick a field goal, you're seeing fans. But on a traditional play, you're not really seeing fans. You see them cutting to commercial, end zone celebrations. To me, it didn't bother me. that it, Again, it was a little weird, but I didn't hate it. Now, next week, am I, am, am I going to miss not seeing... Devontae Adams leap into the stands for a Lambeau leap after scoring a touchdown? Of course. Maybe he still will. Who knows? That'd be pretty cool. Right? Packers score. They're still Lambeau leaping. I'd respect the heck out of that. But football's back. And just that alone makes things start to feel a little bit normal. The weather's starting to change already in the Northeast. Starting to feel like fall. I could live with no fans as long as football stays. Big statement win for the Packers. A team that a lot of people don't even have winning the NFC North. A team that a lot of people are saying are going to take a a step back this season. I don't know what what their final record ends up being, but I know this is a, a great way to start the season and a lot of promise moving forward. All right, before I let you go, let's run through the week one headlines. We start in Atlanta where the Seahawks defeated the Falcons 38-25. Hey, NFC, NFL, watch out for this Seattle Seahawks team. All right, Russell Wilson was unbelievable, 31 for 35, 322 yards, and four touchdowns. Seattle's got a huge matchup in week two against the Patriots. We'll learn a lot about the Patriots in that matchup. But if Seattle holds on, we know they're contenders there. The Bills, they won their opener against the Jets 27-17. If you're a Jets fan, I feel bad for you. All right, buckle up. It's going to be a long season. Sam Darnold did not look good. He's got nothing around him. The team doesn't look good. I know it's only week one. The Jets are in trouble. The Jets are in trouble. And for the Bills... Yeah, you saw the Patriots win week one. This is a good year for you to win that division. 
No reason why it can't be done. The Chicago Bears, they leaned on Mitch Trubisky in the fourth quarter. Yes, I know, Mitch Trubisky. I'm as shocked as you are. But somehow, someway, the guy managed to throw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to defeat the Lions 27-23. I mentioned it earlier, Mr. Swift, welcome to the NFL, but you got to catch the ball for Matthew Stafford and company. Catch that ball, you're 1-0. Big difference here. You go to Lambeau next week, you, you could easily be 0-2. And it gets... You go down a slippery slope when you start off the season that way. Bill Belichick, he's got a new quarterback, and he's still winning. Cam Newton and company defeated the, the Miami Dolphins 21-11. to Cam Newton, 75 yards on the ground, two scores. I like what I saw from Cam. I am, though, a little bit concerned with that injury history. How much running are we going to see Cam do? All right, is that something that Belichick is showing early on, and then he's going to kind of step back and let him use his arm if he continues to run the way he does in week like he did in week one I'd be a little bit nervous because of the injury but I'm also excited if I'm a Patriots fan NFC East be careful if you're playing in the NFC East if you're playing the Washington football team good luck Good luck containing Chase Young. Good luck containing that defensive line. They are a quarterback's nightmare. All right, Chase Young in his debut, quarterback pressures on the regular. Sacks, forced fumbles. Defense was able to record eight sacks, dominated that Eagles offensive line. End up beating the Eagles 27-17. And shout out to Coach Ron Rivera getting that IV in between at halftime to, to have him healthy and ready to be able to coach and last in that second half. Respect what Ron Rivera is doing. Totally caught off guard by this Washington team. Didn't expect anything. But now you go into week two. Got battle of 1-0 teams. Washington Redskins, Arizona Cardinals. Look out. The Las Vegas Raiders win their first game as Vegas. All right, they took down the Panthers 34-30. Teddy Bridgewater didn't look bad. Matt Rule, I ask you though, why aren't you giving Christian McCaffrey the ball on fourth and inches? Why is it going to the fullback? Getting a little too cute there. No, you're new to the league. Don't overthink it, big guy. Another week one surprise. Jacksonville takes down Phillip Rivers and the Colts 27-20. Garter Minshew. Very efficient. Very efficient on the day. Only one incompletion. Three scores. Didn't even throw for 200 yards. Don't get used to this, though. The Jaguars stink. They're going to be in the running for, for Trevor Lawrence. And, and that's not going to be a surprise. More surprising that Phillip Rivers and the Colts couldn't get it going at all. Lamar Jackson was in MVP form against the lousy Cleveland Browns. They cruised to victory 38-6. Looks like another year of disappointment for the Cleveland Browns. High expectations, even higher letdowns. I'm getting sick of this team. I want them to do good. I root for them to do well. But it just seems year in, year out, they always let you down. I feel for you Cleveland Browns fans. I really do. But I think it's just another year of disappointment coming your way. You don't even show up week one. Now granted, you're going against one of the top teams in the league. Explosive offense. Explosive playmakers. 
But come on, show up at least. Joe Burrow, he made his NFL debut, the number one pick in the NFL draft. Leads the team all the way downfield in the fourth quarter. Time's ticking. Tick, 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 tick. Puts the team in field goal position, field goal range. To at least tie the game, force overtime. Kick is shanked. Kicker pulls a hamstring. Joe Burrow is on the sideline. Disgusted as could be. I can't blame the poor kid. But the LA Chargers, they escaped Cincinnati 16-13. By the way, LA Chargers, uniforms, best in the league. They had the yellow pants on, electric. Love that look. Tom Brady, he did not look sharp in his Tampa Bay debut. Another pick six. Saints continue to prove why they are still the team to beat in the NFC South. They take down the Buccaneers 34-23. Now let's not hit the panic button just yet on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. It is one week. But Brady did look a little old. Brady did look a little sluggish. I love the fact, I'm serious, I love the fact that Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady. Saying, you know, he's got to get on the same page with some of these guys. You saw him and Mike Evans not on the same page. Brady's got weapons. This team in a couple weeks, when the Green Bay Packers play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in four or five weeks, it's going to be a much different team than this week one team. So don't get used to what you're seeing with Tom Brady and those struggles. Kyler Murray. He's got a new weapon in DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm sure DeAndre Hopkins is happy he's got a new guy throwing him the ball because they both had themselves a day defeating the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers 24-20. San Fran can't afford to go 0-2. They're not going to go 0-2 because they play the Jets in Week 2. But with that being said... You lost to probably the worst team in your division week one. That's no disrespect to the Cardinals. You're the defending NFC champions. You just lost in the Super Bowl. You got to be better than that. You got to be more prepared on week one. A new era in Dallas with Mike McCarthy. Not off to a great start. Rams hang on to beat the Cowboys 20-17. to Close game on the scoreboard, but I never felt... Like the Cowboys really had a chance. I, I, I felt like the Rams dominated the entire game. Okay. Bad job by my by Mike McCarthy a few times, specifically fourth and three. Deciding to go for it, not kick the field goal. Now you could come back and say, well, if you got it, you wouldn't be saying that. Yeah, you're probably right. I wouldn't be. But you didn't get it. You didn't convert. Dak throws a pass. He's short regardless. You need three yards. You can't be short on a three-yard pass. But at the same time, I will say this. At the same exact time, the Dallas Cowboys got hosed at the end of that game. All right? Michael Gallup, 47-yard reception, negated because of an offensive pass interference. Jalen Ramsey, you should be ashamed of yourself. That was acting at its finest. So kudos to that. But let's get serious. You're coming out saying that was clear as day. That is a terrible call. Terrible, terrible call. Which would have put 
the Cowboys in position to tie the game if they make a field goal. Maybe even perhaps win the game. Who knows? But Jalen Ramsey, stop acting, man. That was awful. Welcome back, Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben, his return back on the field after suffering an elbow injury last season. Throws three touchdowns. Takes on the Giants 26-16. It's good to see Ben back on the field. Good to see what a good health with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger does for a guy like Juju Smith. But didn't miss a beat. James Conner, he gets banged up. Ends up leaving the game. That defense is really good and really young. Did a really good job of containing Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones had his moments. Questionable turnovers. Got to be better with the ball. Specifically the red zone. Interception. Should have threw the ball away. I know some people say, oh, he was going to throw the ball. He was trying to throw the ball away. No. Get the ball out of your hands way earlier. You at least salvage that drive with three points. And finally, despite Gowskowski missing field goals left and right all night for the Tennessee Titans, Nailed the most important one. Ends up giving the Titans a 16-14 victory over the Broncos. Narrowly squeezes out that one and a half against the spread that we took last week. On the picks of the week. To help me go 3-0. But man was that an ugly game. Broncos couldn't get it going. Titans really couldn't get it going. But 1-0 is 1-0. And those are my week one headlines. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. Get on it. Subscribe, all right? Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all those podcast platforms, podcast applications. You can find us all over the place. Be on the lookout for another episode later this week, right? Week two of the NFL season right around the corner. Packers taking on the lines. Season opener. Home opener. Little different. No fans at Lambeau. But nevertheless, the Packers are home. I'll look to get a Detroit guy on to get their perspective to preview the matchup. And of course, after 3-0 week, I got to come back with my three picks of the week. So be on the lookout for an episode dropping later in the week. As always, thank you so much for listening. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go!